to The After Party, a podcast about lessons learned and shaping the future. I'm your host, Raven Bonnewell. And today with me, I have Sheila Storr, professional life and leadership coach, licensed clinical social worker, and founding member of Luscious Mother, and also Elena Areco Bridgman, who is a professional certified coach and the chief administrative officer of Luscious Mother. Welcome to the after party. So good to be here. Thanks Thank so much, you. Raven. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you both. Yay, the pandemic is almost over. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) What are you all most excited to do now that things are opening up? I am most excited to meet friends for lunch. I know it's a silly, simple, small thing, but is what I have missed most is just getting together with friends midday and having lunch together. I really miss that. Mm, Yeah. Oh my gosh. Me too, Sheila. Is there somewhere that you're going to go for lunch when you- Yes. I'm going to Purple Cafe and I'm having their salad because it's fabulous. I'm in Seattle. All you Seattle people know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Raven, I am most excited about, it's actually, while I love to eat out and have people to my home, which are things that, you know, I'm excited to do. I think the biggest thing is traveling again and, you know, taking adventures with my family outside of our, our country and inside of our country. And and that's really what I'm most looking forward to for sure. Thanks, Elena. Do you have anything planned or anything that, you know, kind of is percolating in the back of your mind about where you're going to go? Why? Yes, I do. I do. My family is going to be taking a trip to Costa Rica at the end of June and we'll be traveling for about two weeks. And I'm really excited because that's where my husband and I honeymooned almost 19 years ago. We get to share it with our little ones now. Wow. That's incredible. I'm so excited for your trip. You have to tell me all about it. I will. I am, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous. We still have to get travel insurance and all the things, you know, COVID tests set up, but we are really, really excited for the opportunity to be able to, to leave again, you know, and feel, feel safe and know that we're, we're going to be able to, um, to travel and take care of scratching our itch of getting our travel, but also take care of being safe, you know, in this time. Absolutely. Well, enjoy it. I'm glad you get to scratch that itch. Sheila, I'm so excited for you to go to a restaurant again and and be able to have that midday lunch with your friends. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you both are, you both work with Luscious Mother. You're both coaches. Um, This has been something that's really interesting for me uh, as a first time parent and learning how to parent in a pandemic, you know, um, pretty much coming out of the pandemic for me seems brand new. And I'm learning how to do everything again, because my, my one-year-old now has never really met another baby. We've never met, been around other, you know, families because of how, you know, we potted with our, um, our family, our, my parents and my husband's parents. So there are a lot of firsts here coming up for me. And, you know, there's been a lot of bonuses. We've got a great sleep schedule because, you know, where else were we going to go? Um, but (laughs) you know, there's a lot that is, 
you know, going to be a little crazy for me. And you two have been working with Luscious Mother and and coaching um, moms and uh, parents. And I'm curious what you saw happen with parenting during the pandemic. What were the challenges or the maybe even the, the immediate rewards? How did parenting change? Yeah. And I'll, I'll take it to start. This is Elena for those listening at home or on the road or whatever you're doing. Anyway, we, um, you know, we've seen it and we've seen it in the headlines. We know that for, especially for parent, for parents and, and moms that are working, that it's been a struggle. And what's really interesting. And what we talk about a lot at Luscious Mother is that, you know, moms have been struggling before the pandemic to be parents and to be working parents specifically. So we know that we had, you know, almost 4 million women leave the workforce. We've got, you know, still many of them unemployed during this time. So we still, you know, there's still struggles and and women and, and mothers in particular generally take on most of the mental load. So they're often worried and about the logistics and, and holding that in their space and in their head, which causes challenges again, before there's even a pandemic. So I think that the biggest challenges for moms have been how how do we get through this? How do we do this? And I'll share a very personal story. When when this hit, um, I had a, my first panic attack and a series of them because I couldn't imagine how you know the way we had been going with working and you know two two people working and having really big jobs and you know even having the support that we did how we could do it with the kids at home. Um, so it was really really challenging. Um, and, and it had us figure out how to, and I think that many families had, you know, different types of challenges, um, for those that had little, little ones that were at home, that's obviously different than me having my eight and 10 year old at home because my eight and 10 year old, while still needy are not as dependent as a baby would be, you know, going back to your example, Raven, you know, having an infant at home is very different. Um, you know, eventually daycares opened up while my children were still at home where my counterparts who had infants were now sending infants to daycare. So, you know, there's been challenges along the way with that. Um, and, you know, I would say some of the biggest and most immediate rewards were that we had to be creative and think about things differently as parents, as working parents, um, we had to get scrappy and it really, you know, I personally depended on my, um, my extended family and, um, had help, uh, move in and we quarantined together so that we could figure out how to do it. Um, and I know that's not a luxury that everyone has. I, I was very fortunate to have other family in town, but, um, but that is, you know, some of the ways that we, we overcame it and, um, we got scrappy and we depended on our village. Yeah, that's been so important. Yeah, for, for, for what I've seen too. And, you know, I, I know that, that kind of nationwide, we're in sort of a, a place where the birth rate is low and everything like that. And anecdotally, I feel like all of my friends are having kids during the pandemic. So I feel like this, this, it takes a village and, you know, really looking at the support and the network that you have has been so incredibly important. Yeah. So true. I think the, the thing that I found interesting um, thinking about parenting during the pandemic is that it hasn't been a one size fits all. Like everybody's experience has been so different. Um, 
for me, my kids are older. I have a 19 and 21 year old. So my younger son was a senior in high school when all this hit. So we were looking at senior graduation. There wasn't one, you know, and Um, my experience trying to tell a teenager that he can't go see his friends or leave the house was, um, super hard. My older son came home from college. He was a sophomore. Now he's a junior in college. So it was really, uh, while I was so thankful that I didn't have little kids to homeschool, I had these older ones that I was trying to keep in the house. And it was really, really hard because teenagers aren't supposed to be with their parents 24 seven. They are supposed to be individuating their friends or family. It was really difficult. And, um, and I feel incredibly grateful. Both my kids were able to go back to school. One was, one was remote, but lived off campus. My younger one was able to actually live in the dorms and do hybrid school, which was bizarre. But um, what I saw was that some kids really flourished, like some teenagers for them, it was a break from FOMO. It was a break from the social drama. It was a way to do school at their own pace. Some kids really flourished. Other kids, you know, a lot of um, parents with teenagers, you know, their kids really experienced some severe depression, anxiety. It was really the whole gamut. And I found that so, um, it was really fascinating. And then also to look within families where one kid could be flourishing and one kid really struggling. And so the demands to parent to each child individually, it was really, it was intense. You know, I know for myself, my younger son was at school in Montana and um, I would call him and he would be like, they don't even think there's COVID, like I'm having a normal life. And then I would talk to my son in LA, who's like, I haven't left my house in two weeks, you know? So even both of their experiences were so different and what they both needed was really different. Um, so I, I can't wait for years down the road when the studies come out about the impact short-term, long-term it, 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 you know, if we weren't living it, it would be super fascinating. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a good point, Jilla. When it when it first started to um to become a thing, it was fascinating to watch people's reaction. And at the time I was working in a in a role where I was actually supporting frontline um folks as they were sorting out what was gonna happen with COVID and, and their employment. And um fascinating. Fascinating right. to see, you know, human behavior and, um, the studies that you're talking about, you're right. I, I can't wait to, to be a, a layman social scientist and, and look at, you know, the trends and, and what's actually changed. I mean, we can pontificate about it all day, but there will be lasting impacts, right. To your point for years and years to come. Well, I, um, I was working with a client this week who has a one-year-old about the same age as yours, Raven. And I said, so when he's 20, what do you want to tell him about this time? And Mm -hmm. she was like, wow, like, that's a really great question. And her, her word was, I want him to know it was really bittersweet. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such an interesting word, just like the, the pain of it. And then also the, the opportunity to slow down and really just focus Mm -hmm. on what's important. Like it was so, it was everything. 
Yeah. It was everything. It was like an extended Christmas break that week between Christmas <laughs> and New Year's where you know where you stay in your pajamas all the time and you're play- doing puzzles. At least that's what we do in my house is, is do puzzles and cook a whole lot. And that was what everyone was baking in the beginning, right? And puzzling and all these things. You couldn't find a puzzle for months and, you know, yeast was hard to find. Um, it was like kind of nice yeah, for a little while for some of us until it wasn't, right? And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that word, Sheila, bittersweet. And that, that is how I feel about it too. You know, it's been, it it has been very different than what I had planned Mm -hmm. to be. Everybody's at home with each other all the time. We're not going anywhere. You know, we're not, I, I thought that I'd have this life where we just like take the baby to dinner and to friends' houses and everything like that in the, the first year. And Clearly that has not been the way it has been, but, you know, I found that I really love all of this family time. I love that, you know, y'all, my daughter, she goes to bed at five 30. She wakes up oh, at seven 30 in the morning. What? Wow. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's amazing. And I, you know, so many people have the same reaction of what? And she's been doing this since she was like five months old. So we've had an incredible sleep schedule, but it would not have been this way had we been, you know, trying to go to dinner or, you know, going out in the evening, we would have kept her up or, you know, can you sleep? How can you sleep in the stroller in the car seat? And we really just haven't, we haven't had to experiment with it. And so we have this, you know, this great, routine. And, and frankly, I found that I love it. And that's not to say that I will lose my social life completely because I find that I'm a very social person, but you know, there is something of, wow, I I don't, I really don't need all of the things that I thought I needed to make me happy. Um, and, and me being with my daughter and my husband in the evenings and things like that, like it actually really sources me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of my favorite pandemic things is waking up on Saturday morning and thinking, I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> I don't have to feel like um, a hermit because I don't want to have people over or I don't want to go anywhere. Like I can't. So I get to just plan my weekend and do, you know, hang out with my husband, take a stroll, maybe go for a drive. Like it's been great. And I'm already starting to kind of feel that pressure again of like, like my husband said to me this morning, do you want to have people over? And I was like, why would you want to do that? Like, it's like starting again. (laughs) Yeah. We've, we've had that too. Um, there is, we had an invitation to go to a baseball game and I love going to baseball games in the summer, you know, we're, we're in DC and we've got the nationals and, you know, I've, I've found it, sort of in my adulthood that I love baseball. And I kind of went, I mean, I kind of do want to go to a baseball game. And if I say yes to this, does that open up everything? Do I have to say yes to everything else? And, you know, it it was just a a really interesting way to look at it because, you know, I I did want to go sort of We've decided not to, um, because, you know, they're kind of opening the stadium to everybody and I don't want to be with all, with that many people right now. But when I thought maybe it was going to be restricted, 
ticketing. I thought, gosh, you know, I, I would like to go, but my goodness, does this mean I have to say yes to all of the social things, you know, for the rest of the summer, if I say yes to a baseball game? And I thought, gosh, you know, this is not how it has to go. I can still be selective and I can, and I can actually say no to things. It doesn't have to be a free for all. Mm-hmm. You just described, I think what I've been feeling that I haven't been able to name. Like if I say yes to this one thing, then the floodgates are open and I have to go back to the, how things were. Mm-hmm. I get to choose. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like this idea of like being um, like laser focused on the most important things and like choosing them instead of them choosing you, which is sort of the, the, the default behavior that I think many of us were in prior to this time, right? Like, well, I have to go because I was invited to the baseball game. Hmm. Actually, you don't, right? And you don't have to do the the other thing that you get invited to do. It's it's really interesting. And and um, as we were we were looking at you know having conversations about this conversation, Raven, I thought about you know the fact that like I basically Marie Kondoed my life, like really got intentional about everything that's in my life, and up to including changing my career, my job and my home, and getting down, you know, leave, going down one car. You know, I think there there was like this concept. Everyone was sort of like looking inwards and getting really intentional about what was most important, and then removing the things that are not. And I think that we can start to do that as we look ahead with what we say yes to. I love that you said you can say no. Like that's your boundary. Like you get to say no and you get to choose where it is, where the line is, or maybe the line changes. You get to say. Oh, I love that. The line can change. The line, the line is can not, change. I feel like the line's one of those, you know, little yellow lines in a football game that you can only see on TV. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the, um, the 10 yard line, you know, the, yep. the line. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. It can move and you only see it when it's on TV. <laughs> mm, that's right. And I think um, it's, yeah, it's such a great opportunity for families too to sit down and think like, you know, to really ask their kids, what, what do you want to go back to? Like, do you want to do all the sports? Do you want to do all the music? Like what, what is it that you really want? Cause I, I think that a lot of times we, especially when our kids are younger, we put them in 80 million things thinking that we should, or because their friends are or whatever. And I think that is just such an opportunity to get to what, to what you were saying, like Marie Kondo it, like, what do you really want to do? What brings you joy? The other stuff is we can let that go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're sort of getting to this, but I'm curious what you see, you know, will change either in, in your life or what you see maybe shifting in parenting, you know, culturally, um, as we move out of the pandemic and into, you know, whatever normal is again, what will change? Yeah. Um, inside my home for me personally, I've already shared, I completely upended my life in the last six to eight months. So it's changed, but, but some of the really cool things that have changed and we will continue to have, um, one is that we now sit for dinner every day of the week together as a family. Um, now there might be other people added cause that's mm-hmm. still part of our, the way it is in my house, but for, for a long time, it wasn't always that way. You know, the kids always ate at a certain time, but it wasn't, you know, my husband and I were not always there depending on our schedules. We will always eat. Now, eventually there might be one or two nights we might miss, but we will continue to 
I would say five out of seven sit and eat together. Um, and we started this wonderful tradition at dinner where we talk about our high, low and Buffalo for the day. The high was the best thing, the, the, not the least best thing. And then the Buffalo is the thing that surprised you. And then we added gratitude to it. And actually another luscious mother taught me the first part and we added the gratitude to it, you know, in as time evolved and we share that every night. And then we watch, we sit down and watch a TV show together, which is something that we never have done. And we started doing, we've worked through some different series and now we're on Downton Abbey and it's amazing and we love it. And so good. It's so good. And so like, we'll continue to do this as a family, you know, it's been, it reminds me of my childhood when we would sit as a family and watch the program that was on at eight o'clock and then we'd have to go to bed. Like, you know, we can do it on demand now. So it's a little different, but like, this is stuff that was missing before. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize it was missing and we will carry it forward for sure. That's, that's great. I am also watching Downton Abbey again. Um, I'm in season six and excited for the movies afterwards. Me too. We'll have to compare notes, Raven. Yes, please. (laughs) Sheila, how about for you? What, Um, what do you will change? I think that what's going to change is that more parents are going to start thinking about what's important and what's not and letting the other stuff go. Um, I was thinking before before we got on today, a really good friend of mine at the beginning of the pandemic, um, her son just wanted to be in his bathrobe for school. And she'd be like, no, you have to get dressed. Let's, you know, it's got, and I was like, okay, why? So I stopped over there the other day and it was like three o'clock and I'm like, dude, you're in your bathrobe. And he's like, Sheila, where have you been? I'm in my bathrobe all the time. And she's like, <laughs> she let it go, right? So that's just an example where I think it's like, I think one of the big takeaways is like what's important and what's not. And so many of the things that we get wrapped up in aren't important. And um, for me, you know, being on the other end of parenting where my kids are now in college, I can look back at so many things that just didn't matter. And um, I love to share that with some of my clients, like it's going to be okay. Like, what can you let go of? Jimmy will eat with a fork someday. Like, I promise you, he will eat with a fork. (laughs) Sheila, my mom used to say, um, when I would get really stressed about my, one of my girls, not potty training, she's not going to go to kindergarten in her diapers, Lena. I promise you she won't. I was like, but what if, you know, (laughs) she's not going to go to kindergarten in her diapers. Jimmy will eat with a fork. (laughs) That's really great for me to hear because, you know, we're trying to transition to a cup and not a bottle right now. And you know, Eland will just kind of tilt her head up and like, hello, put this thing in my mouth. I'm going, can you hold it? Mike? You know, that, yeah, she will eventually hold the cup and drink out of it. Yeah. When she, <laughs> she wants will to. Not, she will not make you feed her with a bottle when she's 16. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> if she does, Sheila, I'm coming back. You are to find <laughs> You promised. <laughs> Well, you know, we're talking a little bit about normal um, and and this return to normal and, you know, just mentioned about the the 10 yard line uh, that that can move. What do you see as far as what defines normal or how will we know when we've gotten there? Hmm. This is so funny. I have a very interesting relationship with normal Raven. I'm like, what is normal? anyway, you know, and I think, you know, the way I've been thinking about it is what's your normal, 
So you family, you parent, you child. Um, and what I mean by that is more like, what's the thing that's going to have you feel like you have a structure, you feel safe, you feel productive, you feel cared for. And that's what it's going to be. I get that like in the bigger picture, in the, in the more macro environment, there's like a bigger definition, but that's like what I'm thinking about. Cause when I think about what I can control, I really can't control what's out there out in the big bad world, but what I can c- control, I and mean, I don't mean control like that, but what I have influence over is what's happening here. So for, for me personally, and for the families I'm working with, it's establishing what you want, what you see and creating it so that it fits the needs of your, of your own family. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I would just, um, tack on to that, that exactly what you said, like what is normal and everybody's version is going to be different because everybody's kids need different things too. You know, I think about just with my kids, they're so different and I parented each of them the same and totally different. So it's like what my one kid's normal is, wasn't my other kids. Like, and that's the beauty of parenting is you get to figure out what, what works for your family. And it's also hard because that's where we get into comparisons and shoulds and, you know, the family next door doesn't do it this way, but it really is just that intention, intentionality of figuring out what works for you, what works for your family, what's best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just need to add Raven and Sheila that my kids go to Montessori school and, um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on inclusion and being, and being diverse and being a free thinker and, and to, <laughs> they told us like, let your kid wear whatever they want to wear to school. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when, when I sent my four-year-old in, I was like, huh, what does that even mean? You know, but I say that because, um, you know, my daughter will actually relate to herself as being weird and that being a really cool thing. And, and so when I think about not that normal and weird have to live on the same continuum, but like, it just, it kind of makes me think about it being like just something completely different. You know, it's weird is, is whatever you want it to be. Normal is whatever you want it to be. And it's, um, however you really want to hold it in your heart. And for my daughter being weird, she wouldn't want to be normal. She wants to be weird. And I'm like, yes, do you girl, you do you be weird. Wear stripes and polka dots and, you know, green hair, whatever works for you. It's all good. <laughs> That's so awesome, Elena. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, as, as parents out there who are listening to this, um, are starting to figure out what their normal is and, and, you know, what works for them. What recommendations do you have for those parents that are maybe looking for balance or looking at what normal is as they move into the aftertimes? I would say that, um, I think it's really, really important for everybody to be just super generous with themselves because as we found just between the three of us, we're all re-entering in different ways, you know? And so be really generous with yourself, take it, take it slow, take it fast, whatever works for you. Um, and what same with your kids. And if you find that, um, there was this great article in scientific American, American, last week about, it's called, they were calling it cave syndrome, which is what they're seeing in people who might be experiencing some anxiety as the restrictions, um, are lowered and we can, we can enter out outside of our cave. And it was super interesting to me that it was nearly 50% of people were experiencing some anxiety. So my suggestion is take it slow, do what's best for you, do what's best for your family. And if you get stuck, 
get some support. If you find that you're, that you're, um, yeah, that you're, that you're really struggling, reach out and get supported because it's a tricky time. There's so much, I think what's interesting is it's like, there's so much excitement and with it also, there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would add that, um, there's an opportunity to do it in partnership with your family. And what I mean by that Raven is, um, you know, we were scrappy. We figured out how to make it work in the beginning because we had to. The cool thing now is that we don't have to, and we can create it more. It doesn't have to be such a reaction mm-hmm. and we can be intentional about it. Um, in fact, um, so Luscious Mother does, does uh, a number of free, um, we're calling them campfire chats as we prepare for summer. And uh, a few weeks ago, we did this great exercise where we had um, the moms that join us um, think about their summer's past, like their highlights, what they loved about it, and then make a vision of their future summer. And so um, what I did with my family was a miniature version of that. And I shared with them about my past summers as a child when I was their age and along the way and, and what I loved, what my most favorite memories are, my fond memories. And my husband did the same. And, um, and then we, we created together our own intentions and our own agreements around what we wanted to create this summer, because I felt like all of a sudden it's, it's like a long weekend. Everyone's like, what are we doing this weekend? What are we doing this weekend? I'm like, hold on a second. What are we doing this summer? Like, how do we want to be about this? Who are we going to be as a family? And we created a long list of activities. We created intentions. We made agreements around them. And then we created a movie list too, because I find that we often sit in front of the TV looking for the next movie and fight about it. So I was like, no, we have a list. (laughs) and we did it together and it was really fun. Um, and it was in partnership. And that's something that I think that, um, well, I know Sheila is an expert in creating agreements with their children, no matter how old they are. So this isn't something that's just for, you know, those of us that have elementary school kids or older, like you can actually do this with younger children too, at least when they speak, I think, right, Sheila? (laughs) Yep. Nice. So, so doing it in partnership, being generous with yourself, creating agreements, Sheila, you mentioned, uh, reaching out for support. Yes. yes. How, how would people, uh, reach out for support? Yeah. Thanks for asking that great question. Um, support can be from reaching out to friends and family and asking for connection, um, having someone to talk to. It's also reaching out for professional support at Luscious Mother. Like Elena said, we, we do a lot of free programming. We have these amazing Wednesday night calls. We have great, great support. We also are starting, we're super excited about this. We're starting a small group coaching program, January 12th, January, July 12th called (laughs) Camp Canamama Get a Minute. And our focus is on supporting moms to have a great summer, to support mom. moms are, you know, we're always so busy creating great summers for our kids, but what about the moms? So it's a great place for women to get support from a coach and also from the small group, from the other women in the, in the group, great community is built. Wow. That sounds incredible. Um, if anyone wants to take advantage of these free calls or the group, how would they get in touch with you? Everything is on our website at lusciousmother.com. It's a great place to, to check it out. You can look at all of our packages and programs. 
And the Campfire series, which Elena mentioned, is on there as well. We'd love to have your listeners come and join us. They're super fun. Amazing. Thank you both for being here today. Any last uh, words of advice or, you know, bottom lining recommendations that you want to share with our listeners today? I would just go back to that thing. Be generous with yourself and be generous with your kids. I think a lot of times we have expectations that are, we have higher expectations for our kids sometimes than we have for ourselves. So just be, it's all about generosity right now and getting supported. Nice. Take care of yourself. Yes. And have some summer fun, get intentional about it. Right. Have some fun. My goodness. We just had a pandemic. People (laughs) have some fun. (laughs) I'm going to have some fun. Amazing. Me too. Me too. Me too. Well, both of you take care of yourself and have amazing summers. Sheila Storr and Elena Areco Bridgman, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's great to be here, Raven. I'd love to hear what you've learned about yourself through the COVID pandemic. You can get in touch through email at ravenbcoaching at gmail.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook at Raven Bonnewell Coaching and on Instagram at ravenbcoaching. R-A-V-E-N-B-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a favor and give it a five-star rating to help us reach more listeners. The After Party is a celebration of lessons learned. It's hosted by leadership coach Raven Bonnewell and produced by Accomplishment Media.